Praise the Lord, everybody. Pastor Fields here. Yet another opportunity for us to come together on a Wednesday evening for the purpose of fellowship and going in to the word of the Lord, of course, so his word can go into us. It has been my pleasure throughout this year to come into your homes and automobiles to share with you the word of God here at Greater Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C., the Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, New York. We all want you to know that we love you and we've been praying and will continue to pray uh, for your safety and the safety of your family during these trying times. So much is going on, but God is faithful and it is our prayer that the Lord will continuously protect and overshadow you, keep you in his care. Yet another opportunity for us to go into his word and let's, let's go into prayer before we go into this Bible lesson. Father, we love you. We thank you. We glorify you. We are so grateful for all that you have done and all that you're yet doing. Bless us now as we come together to go into your word. Touch us one by one, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight we'll be uh, dealing with part two of our series, A Letter from Jesus. Last week we were in Ephesus. Uh, we're in chapter two of the book of Revelation. Uh, but this week we are going from Ephesus to Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. <laughs> Sounds like this. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now remember we are in Asia Minor and we're dealing with a letter from Jesus uh, through John who is the last apostle out of the 12 left. Uh, during this series we're going to look at these letters that were written to the church, the seven churches in Asia Minor uh, and if you look on the map today, a global map uh, it's where Turkey is now. Um, we're gleaning messages from these letters. Uh, the letters describe actual conditions in each church at the end of the first century AD. However, the letters also prophesy about the future. Remember we said last week the seven churches are geographically arranged in sequence uh, on a mail route. Western Asia Minor and scholars realize that the sequence betrays seven eras E-R-A-S of God's church from the days of the apostles uh, 
up until the end of the church age. So the church conditions described in the letters prophetically describe conditions that would prevail in each successive era. So John is addressing uh, this book to the seven churches. And we read that in uh, chapter 1, verse 4. So, and the letters to the seven churches reveal a serious deviation from doctrine, from that apostolic teaching or the apostolic standard of truth that was passed down by uh, the apostles, where did they get their teachings from? They got them from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so John is writing on Christ's behalf. Remember, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And there he begins his journey. Uh, the Lord takes him up and reveals all of these things. And he begins to write. He's writing on the Lord's behalf. And um, he rebukes compromise and sin that's in the church again he is rebuking compromise and sin that is in his church and he's calling them to repent he's calling us to repent and return to our first love so if i were to title this particular lesson it would be from trial to triumph from trial to triumph. So as we continue in this series, um, a letter from Jesus, we find ourselves at the church of Smyrna, as first stated. Uh, and Smyrna was a prosperous and beautiful city. Uh, according to my notes, uh, 35 miles north of Ephesus. Remember, this is a mail route. Um, there was a port of Smyrna, uh, and it was known as one of the great cities of the region and as a faithful ally of Rome. Um, and this church would be a persecuted church. Um, when he refers to the synagogue of Satan, he's reminding us of the early persecution inflicted against those Christians by some of the Jews. It wasn't just Romans that were persecuting, but uh, there were plenty of times where the Jews who refused to accept Christ as Messiah or refused to accept the teachings of Christ, uh, they instigated the persecution or they were responsible for the persecution. So as we continue in this series, we're dealing with Smyrna um, and the Smyrna era, E-R-A, appears to cover the third and fourth centuries AD. So we're talking about a period of intense Roman persecution of the church. Uh, and now here is a contrast. While Smyrna is being commended for its works and it's being rich in their faith, and I'll read the verse, Revelation uh, 2 and 9, then I'll read verse 10. I know thy works, and tribulations. So God is, Lord Jesus saying, I know everything you're going through. I know your poverty. And then he says, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, 
the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So, uh, this church is urged to be faithful. Be faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ is urging the church to be faithful. How long? Unto death. Take it all the way. Don't, don't give up now. Be faithful unto death. And do this in order to receive a reward. A crown of life. Verse number 10. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. It's this contrast. It's this contrast in these verses that sparks the need, I would say, for, for deep discussion. You know, we always talk about God's faithfulness to us, but here... Uh, he's saying, I know all the trouble that you're enduring. I know those who are persecuting you, those who are supposed to be Jews, uh, but you found they are the synagogue of Satan. They're doing everything they can to stop you from worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ because they don't agree with your worship. They don't agree with the gospel. They don't agree uh, with your life at all. Uh, but if you hold on until the end, uh, you will receive a crown of life. Now, in, in here, a question arises when you read verses 9 and 10. Uh, what would you perceive? What would you perceive would be needed as a believer to make it in? Just, just by reading verses 9 and 10, and I'll read them again. I know your works in tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So uh, just from those two verses, what would you possibly perceive uh, would be needed as a believer to make it. Now, um, two words come to mind, endurance and faithfulness. Endurance and faithfulness. And I'll add a third word, faith, being believing in God, believing his word, and being faithful to what you believe. And of course, because you're, you're dealing with trial and tribulation and persecution, enduring, because many times, uh, if we be truthful when we're going through things, you you really, your greatest temptation is the temptation to let go. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of dealing with this. Uh, but here he's admonishing the church to hold on. Um, so I would say the church of Smyrna is illustrating the vital importance of endurance, of holding on to your beliefs. Because here's another temptation, not only to let go, but to change your belief system, uh, to push it away. You know, because holding on to the truth, uh, the truth gets heavy sometimes. And people let go because it's easier to hold on to something that's not true or something that is popular. Uh, people 
tend to fight against the truth. I don't want to hear that. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I'd rather listen to this. The Church of Smyrna is illustrating how important it is to endure, to hold on to your belief during difficult times. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he says in verse 9, I'm going to go back to it. I know thy works and I know your tribulation. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know the poverty. Uh, I want to stop right here and say that God knows who you are. He knows exactly who you are and he knows exactly what you're going through. Put that in the comments section. God knows who I am. And God knows what I'm going through. My Lord, God knows. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. I know. I know your struggles. <laughs> I know the bills you have to pay. I know all of that. But he says, but you are rich. Why? Because you're not allowing what's in your pocket. You're not allowing those who are buffeting you or bothering you. You're not allowing the trouble that is in the land to hinder you from trusting and believing in me. I know your works and I know everything that you're going through. But verse 10, he, say, he says, fear none of these things. Don't back down from none of it. Fear none of these things. Immediately, the Lord Jesus says, don't be afraid of none of that. Don't be afraid of the problem, the timing. Don't be afraid of the attitude of those who are coming against you. And remember, you're going to win a prize. What is the prize? The crown of life. Fear none of these things that you will suffer. Behold, the enemy is going to throw some of you in prison. Hallelujah. And he says that you're going to be held there for 10 days. God is letting them know and letting us know that I'm in control no matter who's bothering you, no matter what's going on. And I say how long the trial will last. And I'll say when it's over. And when I say it's over, it's over. The enemy is going to have to release you. Uh, so don't be afraid of the problem. I don't care what the problem is. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The timing of the issue, when it happens, can also be burdensome. I'm already going through something. I can hardly deal with this. Now here comes something else. The Lord said, don't be afraid of that either. Don't be afraid of the attitude or the fierceness of those who have risen up against you. I'm your God. I'm your protector. And I have a reward for you. Hallelujah. You will receive a crown of life. Hallelujah. Let's push further. Jesus says, uh, in the Gospels, he says these powerful words, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew 24 and 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So how long do I have to hold on? Until the end. 
the same shall be saved. Don't hit it and quit it. You got to hold on to it. You've got to hold on to it and run all the way. The Apostle Paul writes that only those who finish the race, only the people that finish the race will be given the prize. Remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, I'll read verses 24 through 27, uh, where he says, Uh, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. So he's admonishing them to go to the end, finish the race, hold on no matter what's going on. Yes, uh, we have to be faithful even in the midst of our trials and tribulation. Yeah, in the midst of our trials and tribulation, be faithful, be faithful. Hold on to God, hold on to his word. Uh, if you go to Matthew 25 and 23, in this verse, uh, it shows that if we're not faithful in trivial matters, we can't expect to be faithful when we're confronted with something that is much heavier. I'm going to read that verse for you, Matthew 25 and 23, says these words, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So he says, uh, he's going to say, well done to those who have been faithful over a few things. He said, I'm going to make you, because of that, ruler over many. It's God that's going to test our faithfulness. And he, he will do it in our day-to-day -day activities. Uh, and it's in those trials or those testings uh, that the real you emerges. Your real faith emerges. That's how the Lord is able to tell whether you really trust him and believe him or not. Or, uh, and I know we're not in Laodicea yet, but uh, have you developed a Laodicean attitude, which is an attitude of indifference to the things God considers to be important? You know, God considers it to be important, but you just shrug it off and say, oh, I don't care about that. Um Sometimes the trial or the persecution reveals itself. It will reveal in you or I, unfortunately, uh, faithlessness instead of faithfulness. Uh, and the Bible tells us, be not faithless. The just walk by faith. So what Christ is saying to the church of Smyrna is to show... Um, that they would need to hold on until the end. Uh, 
this discussion that he's having with them shows that faithfulness does not guarantee a life free of problems or persecution. No, as a matter of fact, the more faithful you become to the Lord, uh, the more the world is at odds against you. Because, you know, the world, the world system is totally against the system of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. So, the Bible tells us through the pen of Paul that there's no need for us to fail. Trials and tests will come and they'll, uh, and they'll be common tests. Yeah. I'll take you to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Listen to these words. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. They have no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So if we're tempted and tried, uh, God will help us. He will provide a way. Uh, yes. He will provide a way out, not to avoid it, but how to come out of it, mm -hmm. how to meet it successfully and stand firm under it, because it's going to happen. You're going to be tried. You're going to have temptations. Listen, there's a lot of temptation out there. It's going to happen, but God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear and what you're able to successfully conquer. So hold on. He's telling this church, hold on. Hold on. Put it in the comment section so somebody can read it with an exclamation mark. Hold on. Why? Because God knows who you are. He knows all that you're going through. And he's watching to see if you're going to be faithful to him. He knows the problem, the pain, the situation. But if you can be faithful, be faithful unto death. If you can hold on, you will receive a crown of life. Don't be afraid of the problem. Don't be afraid of, of the timing of the situation. Don't be afraid of the attitude of those who are coming against you. And remember that I have a prize. I have a reward for you. I'm coming with my reward in my hand. Even the elders of the church are admonished uh, that they must be found holding fast to the word of God. Have you, have you ever wondered why so many preachers are giving up? They have stopped preaching the gospel. God is going to deal with them uh, for that. Titus 1 and 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. This is Paul talking to Titus. Uh, don't change anything. He had to say it to the Galatian church. Uh, he says it to the elders of Ephesians, I should say. Preach no other gospel. There is much temptation to change. To just preach things that are going to make people happy. Uh, preach a message that doesn't condemn sin or doesn't affect a change telling anyone to change their lifestyle just but Paul says don't preach any other gospel 
hold fast the faithful word mm -hmm, as he hath been taught. Preach what has been deposited in you, the gospel. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Hallelujah. So he's letting the church know, I know your works, I know your tribulation, but you're rich. Why? Because you're still holding on to the truth. Yep, I know the blasphemy of those who are coming against you, uh, but they're not. I know that's the enemy fighting you, but don't be afraid. So I'd say to you today, if your foundation is solid, if your foundation is solid and you take time uh, to prove what the truth is, then you'll be prepared to endure. I'll say it again. If our foundation is solid, and we are take time to prove what the truth is. Don't be afraid to stand up and let people know that I'm holding on to this. This is the truth. Then you'll be prepared to endure. Yes, to endure when the going gets rough. And it's going to get rougher. I know time's a little difficult now, but it's going to get rougher. Let's go to Matthew 7, verses 20 through 24. It says, Wherefore... By their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So there are many, it, it, they give the appearance of holding on. They give the appearance of being in the right place with God. They give an appearance of being rich and thriving, but it's the opposite. Hallelujah. They're poor. They're broken. The Lord doesn't even know them. Uh, but to the Smyrna church, he says, I know your troubles, your poverty, your tribulation. Hallelujah. But you're rich. <laughs> I'm going to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul writes these words in the 21st verse. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. Now, how, how do you prove that you have the truth? It's your response to the difficulty that you're going through. Hallelujah. It's your response to the difficulty that you are going through. If, if that problem has pulled you away from, from loving God, then there's an issue there. But if that problem has cause you to hold tighter on to what you believe in the God that you love, then you are proving your faith in God. Faith is proven. That's why it's tested. Hallelujah. So let's di discuss even further. And I'm getting ready to close. I don't want to hold you too much longer. Um, John is writing here. He writes in the 11th verse, he that has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. I got a message. I'm writing this letter to the church. It's a letter from Jesus. And he that has an ear, 
let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So there's a few things right here in this verse. Uh, he that has an ear. How's your hearing? He that has an ear, let him hear what Christ is saying to the church. Are you listening to what the Lord is saying to his church? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We've got to fine-tune our spiritual hearing. My sheep know my voice. It's time to fine-tune our hearing so we can hear exactly what the Lord is saying to his church. And then he says, I have a message to the overcomer. He that overcomes. He that overcomes. Now, overcoming, uh, it, it lets me know right away that there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be things, roadblocks. There are going to be pressures. But we have to be overcomers. I, I came across an article that's written by uh, Pastor Gary. He's the pastor of Onward Church uh, in Fishers, Indiana. And um, he writes an article uh, about overcoming. And I want to share that with you. It's, it's entitled, Seven Steps to Overcoming. And he, again, he's the pastor of the Onward Church. Uh, in Fishers, Indiana, when you get a chance, look that church up. Uh, but he says, the first step to being an overcomer is starting over new. And his reasoning to that is uh, no matter how many times you've been defeated in the past, no matter what the enemy wants to tell you about how you'll never experience victory over that particular area of your life, um, He's reminding us of what Paul said. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward to those things which are ahead. So don't let the enemy use your past failures to keep you from overcoming now. As the Bible says, according to what Jesus wrote to the church, right? A letter from Jesus, hallelujah. He that overcometh, there's a reward for you. The second step uh, is decide to make a change. The first step was start all over new. Step number two, decide to make a change. And he writes, to truly overcome, you have to be serious about it. You can't give a half-hearted effort. He reminds us of what Jesus, I'm sorry, of what Solomon says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Mm -hmm. Now, step two has a few components. Um, in deciding to make a change, you would have to specifically define what you desire to do. Specifically define what you desire to do. You have to have a plan. Come up with a plan, right? Daniel was very specific. He reminds us in what he was committing to do. He writes from Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind 
that he would not defile himself with the king's choice of food or with the wine which he drank. So you've got to make up your mind. I'm not going to do this no more. I'm going to stay away from this. I've got to make a change. I want to make it in. I want to see Jesus. So it's important for you to describe exactly what you want to overcome. I want to overcome this. I want to overcome that. Name it. I want to overcome gossip. I want to overcome gossip. Yes. I want to overcome fornication. Say it specifically. Identify the next proponent proponent rather of, of making a change is you have to identify the trigger. What specific thing or environment or feelings or circumstance tend to trigger the negative response? Mm-hmm. That negative response or that negative action that you want to overcome. Your surrounding. Stop going there. Who you talk to. Stop talking to them. What is it that you wish to overcome and identify the trigger? Shun the very appearance of evil. James says in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, uh, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Remember, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The third proponent of of making a change or deciding to make a change, right? The first one was specifically define what you desire to do. The second one is identify the trigger. The third proponent of uh, deciding to make a change, you've got to create a boundary of protection around you. And that means you have to take specific action when you hit a trigger, when you find your, yourself in, in that situation or in that place right this is what job said uh job chapter 31 and 1 he said i made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman this is what job said job made a specific plan of action to overcome sin yes not job was found perfect in the sight of god hallelujah but he he had sense enough to judge himself and make a decision to change. And he decided I'm not going to look. I made a covenant with my eyes. Not to look or lust after a young woman. The fourth thing. A proponent of deciding to make a change. Enlist others to help. Uh, because there's some things you need to overcome. You realize you can't do it alone. And I don't think Jesus intended for you to overcome uh, all by yourself. There's some things you need people to help you with. This is another reason why we don't have time to be divisive uh, and all split up in segments because we need to be able to come together and help one another, strengthen one another, iron sharpening iron. Uh, listen to what uh, Solomon's wisdom says in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. 
but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And I think there's an issue here in the church that I'd, I'd like to bring up. We have a tendency to just watch people fall, right? And uh, we just talk about it. Child, something's wrong with sister so-and-so. Uh, but that's the wrong attitude to have. Instead of talking about what you observe, um, and the Lord may be letting you, allowing you to see it for a reason. It's not to gossip about it, uh, but help them. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That's the word of God. My goodness. So those are the proponents of step number two. When you have to decide to make a change by specifically defining what you desire to do, identifying the triggers, create a boundary to protect yourself, and enlist others to help you. Find someone that's got a prayer life. Stop hanging around all these folks that are wishy-washy in the kingdom, right? And find someone that's going to help you be a better you. Now, step three, step one was start over new. Step two, decide to make a change. And we just went through the proponents of that. But step three says, hide God's word in your heart. Step number three, hide God's word in your heart. And this is the step that most people try to skip. But when we skip this step, we're losing the power that's available to us from the word of God. The word of God has power. David recognized the sin restraining power of the word of God when he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the 119th Psalm of the 11th verse. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So in this step, you'll need to memorize passages of scripture. Meditate on the word of God. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Those scriptures that speak to the struggle that you have in your life. The only way you can hide God's word in your heart is to memorize it. Memorize it. We memorize everything else. You know the words to that song. Some of us know the words to movie scripts, right? You love the movie so much you can quote the words while the actor's saying the words. You know all the music. Yes, you do. And I'm, I don't just mean church music. I mean those songs you used to sing, sing before you got saved. Some, you know all of that. Memorize the word of God. Get it in your heart. Those scriptures that speak to your struggle. Hallelujah. The writer of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive, powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Hallelujah. It exposes your innermost thoughts and desires. Yes, that's Hebrews 4 and 12. I read out of a different version, but that's Ephesians 4 and 12. Find Bible passages that will require the hard work for you to memorize. Print them out on a card or a piece of paper. Hallelujah. Keep them close to you. Keep quoting that scripture until it's part of your memory. Your mind has to be reprogrammed. And it's the word of God that cleanses our mind. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. No. 
Romans 12 and 12 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The fourth step in becoming an overcomer. Come on, I'm trying to help us. Step number four, utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. Utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. So whenever you're tempted, uh, the solution is to get yourself under the control of the Holy Spirit. Lord, take control. I'm being tempted. I see it and I want to do it. I want to touch it. Hallelujah. But pray to God. He will not allow you to be destroyed through that temptation. If you're under his control, if you're under the control of the Holy Ghost, if you allow the Holy Ghost to lead you, you will always have the victory. That's why Paul said, um, in Ephesians 5.18, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Let the Holy Ghost fill and control. Don't just be full of the Holy Ghost. Let him lead you. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, here's a problem. Um, our writer says the problem is that many Christians don't know what it feels like to be under the Spirit's control. You know what that means? That means that we're fighting the Holy Ghost. We want to be in control, and we don't want the Holy Ghost to be in control. My Lord, we're trying to control God instead of allowing the Lord to lead and control us. Yeah. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to control us, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. Step number five, I've got to hasten on. Overcome one day at a time. Live it one day at a time. Listen, listen to the notes. Jesus taught us to live one day at a time when he said, so don't worry about tomorrow. I'm in Matthew 6 and 34. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today, trouble is enough for today. So don't, don't worry about the days ahead. Stay focused on having victory today. Today. Hallelujah. Take it day by day. Take it day by day. Right? It says, if you think too far into your future, you'll get afraid and might feel defeated before you even start. So Jesus, even in his teaching us to pray, said, give us this day our daily bread. That's Matthew 6, 11. And this taught us to ask God for what we need for today. Lord, give me. So when you wake up in the morning, Lord, give me what I need for today, to make it through today. So I'll be pleasing in your sight today. Hallelujah. So if you come today, I'll be ready. Hallelujah. The sixth thing, the, the sixth step towards being an overcomer is uh, begin a streak. Begin a streak. Hallelujah, or a habit. One day at a time, you'll begin to put together a string of victories. Victory will become your lifestyle. Hallelujah. You won't just have victory on Sunday, but you'll have victory every day. So put together a string of victories that will be encouraging. There will, there's, there will be a point soon where you'll truly be able to say, by God's help, I'm overcoming. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Familiar passage. I press toward the goal 
for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, sounds different in the King James Version. That I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. He says, but I'm pressing toward, I'm beginning a streak where I have a, I have a, a resume now of victory after victory. So step seven is celebrate the victory. I've gone through the steps, right? We've told you what the steps were. Being an overcomer, step one, start over new. Step two, decide to make a change. And they are proponents of step number two, which tell us to specifically define what you desire to do. Identify those triggers. Create a boundary of protection around yourself and enlist others to help. Step number three, hide God's word in your heart so you won't sin against him. Step number four, utilize the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Step number five, overcome one day at a time. Step number six, begin a streak. Step number seven, celebrate the victory. Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When Jesus healed the ten lepers, only one returned to give him thanks. He asked, didn't I heal nine others? Where are the nine? Hallelujah. You celebrate the victory. Always come back to the Lord, thanking him and praising him for giving you the strength to make it, for healing you. Not just healing your body, but healing your spirit, your soul, your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, um, what if you, what if we all applied these steps to, uh, that we might be overcomers? <laughs> what an honor. Uh, what an honor. I listen to the notes. What an honor to our Lord if we would become known as people who overcome those things that bring defeat. So he says, he that overcomes. I'll read verse 11. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He that overcomes. Hallelujah. And we just went through the steps, seven steps of, of being an overcomer. Uh, he that overcometh shall not be hurt. Listen, this is what happens for the overcomer. He that overcomes will not be hurt of the second death my lord the second death i don't want to be part of that second death no and i'm looking for my notes i'll just go from here uh what is what is what is he talking about that second death what is he he says if you overcome you won't be a part Oh, you won't be hurt of the second death. So, so briefly, and I'm getting ready to close, death in the Bible is separation. You're being separated. So a physical death, when you die physically, um, is a separation of the soul from the body. When you die a spiritual death, it's separation from God. So the final separation from God is when the wicked are cast into the lake of fire. I'm going to read that for you out of the book of Revelation. Right? We're in Revelation. So, Revelation chapter 
20, 11 through 15 says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the second death. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. You mean to tell me there's a place worse than hell? Yeah. Death and hell was placed in the lake of fire. It's right there. Chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 14. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15 explains even further. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So he says, he that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. If you endure to the end, you'll have a crown of life. Yes, you'll make the rapture. You won't even have to worry about this other stuff. You'll be with Jesus. Hallelujah. But if you miss the rapture, Hallelujah. If your name has not been found in the book of life, you, along with death and hell, will be cast in the lake of fire. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. I'm going to stop right there. Hallelujah. Because we've discussed a lot on tonight. But Smyrna, the Smyrna church was one of uh, only two churches to receive no correction. So then what's the lesson to be learned? <laughs> they didn't receive any correction, but there's still a lesson to be learned. Remain faithful in your trials. Endure to the end. So write it down. Here's the lesson. Remain faithful even in trials. Remain faithful Number two, endure to the end and don't give up. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear those words. Write it. Put it in capital letters. Don't give up. I think this is a lesson we all, we all need to hold on to because we're all going to be going through things. Some of us, a lot of us are in something right now. Don't you let go. Don't you backslide. Be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Hold on to your joy. Hold on to your salvation. Don't throw it away. It has great recompense of reward. I'm going to stop here. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word tonight. Hallelujah. So many of us have been going through. There's so much temptation, so many trials, so many things the enemy is trying to do. But Lord, we're determined to hold on to you. We want to make the rapture. We don't want to be consumed. 
hallelujah, with our flesh, by the thoughts of our flesh, but we want to be overcomers. Give us the strength we need. Continue to lead and guide us as we continue to praise you and worship you in the beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. If you have a special prayer request, something you want me to touch and agree with you in prayer, send me that prayer request. Admin at grtdc.org. Admin at grtdc.org. Now, uh, we have been receiving some things that, some suggestions that uh, you would like me to teach. And what will happen uh, if you don't, see me have a developed lesson concerning your suggestion, I will at least send you an answer uh, via email. You've been, some have been sending me emails on teaching. I, I think I received one recently about uh, should we celebrate Christmas? Um, my answer to that is not like the world. Uh, and Jesus was not born on December 25th, right? It was not snowing when he was born. Um, the birth of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with Santa Claus or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It has nothing to do with that. Um, has nothing to do with the Christmas tree. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Christmas tree is part of pagan worship. So there are a lot of things that were... Uh, merged with Christianity that have nothing to do with Christianity. So um, I will I will send the, the young lady that sent that request, I'll send you my answer. Um, nevertheless, we want you to enjoy this time with your family and please be careful. Please be careful out there. Uh, you want to plant a seed in this ministry? You may do so technician will put that information on the screen and those of you who are at refuge temple annex you may use givelify father we ask a special blessing upon those who are planting seed in this ministry bring forth harvest in their lives we ask in jesus name amen now um christmas will be here on saturday I want you to know that there will be a Saturday morning, a Christmas morning worship service virtually. Uh, it will come on at 11 o'clock on Christmas morning. Uh, come to the Greater Refuge Temple Facebook page or the YouTube channel and worship along with us on Christmas morning. Listen, uh, and, and um, we're doing it on Christmas, we're worshiping on Christmas day. Uh, we've been doing a whole lot, through a whole lot, and the Lord has us here. I felt it would be robbery if we don't put Christ first. It's all about Jesus. I thought it would be robbery if we don't worship. And I know because of um, the pandemic and so forth, we have to be careful. So uh, there will be worship virtually. Uh, so tune in and worship along with us right in your living room. And there will be service Sunday morning here in D.C. and at the Annex in the Bronx. So come to church. Christmas has nothing to do with Santa Claus. Come to the house of God on Sunday morning. But on Saturday, 
right in your pajamas. Uh, you can have that cocoa in your hand, but turn that television or computer on and let's worship the Lord and thank him for keeping us through all of this trouble we've been going through. Hallelujah. He's worthy of the praise. My Lord, I feel like having church right here, right now, because God has been so good to me. I love all of you very much, and I'm so grateful to the Lord. Until next week, we'll be uh, back in Revelation for the next letter. Uh, but until then, three things I want you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.